the year 10,191. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Son, a podcast about you. Welcome to Sand, a podcast about Dune, where we'll be discussing the first six chapters of book two of Dune today. Woohoo! Um, I'm Molly, and I'm joined by my co-host Lance. Hi, Molly. Hi, and today we also have a guest, the esteemed Mia Eisman. Hey, Mia. Hi, Molly. Hi, Lance. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Mia. Yep, we're very excited to have you. Um, so yeah, so we're going to be discussing those chapters and also whatever movies and stuff we watched this week, if we watched any. Y'all, how are y'all doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was on a roll. (laughs) Uh, I'm doing, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm really thriving during the pandemic. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't think, (laughs) I haven't heard anyone say that yet. Uh, Yeah. I'm doing the same as everybody else. Okay, if I don't think too hard about everything. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to take walks and stuff. True. Yeah. Do you have, Mia, do you have like a thing that, like a hobby that you do more now during the pandemic than you were doing before? Like, you know, a lot of people are making bread. Mm -hmm. We're watching movies. Yeah. Um, I actually, so for your listeners i i know molly and lance from living in austin and since i moved from austin a little over a year ago to the seattle area i kind of was already dealing with a lot of stuff that people are dealing with because of the pandemic like i wasn't able to see people in person because i just didn't know anyone (laughs) um and yeah like a lot of the I had to really focus on our house because we bought a house. So we had to focus on it. Um, So I don't have a lot of new hobbies, but I will say that I used to make, uh, I'm very crafty. So I used to make like, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. I have a sewing machine, so I am making masks. Oh, nice. (laughs) That's that's something new and just like, just community masks, not for hospitals. Yeah. You Um, always seem to have like a very admirable craft closet. Like one that I, it just seems so fun to have. Thank you. I get it from the thrift craft stores. There's one in Seattle. There's one in Austin. Um, yeah, you introduced it, me to that one in Austin. What is it's uh, ABC or something? Or what ACR, yeah. ACR, Aust- yeah. Austin Creative Reuse. Ironically, it moved across the street from my old house in Austin. No way. <laughs> right, right after I moved. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm glad there's one in Seattle. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's closed right now, but <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, let's just uh, get to it. Movie time! Woohoo! Yeah, I forgot to write down what movies I wa- I watched, so I was doing that during the intro. Oh yeah, I, thought, I saw you taking list. notes <laughs> for a second. I thought you were... uh, Mia does crafts. 
(laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, Mia, do you want to start? So what we usually do here, we talk about, we usually highlight, like, we say our list of movies and then highlight, like, maybe one or two that we want to talk about. And I was thinking because there's three of us, we each highlight one movie and then Molly, you can ask about one and I can ask about one for Mia's list and et cetera. Like everybody can ask. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, yes. Okay. Good idea. So Mia, you'll pick one and then we'll each pick one for you to talk about. This is always like, we always (laughs) think so. It's so bureaucratic, (laughs) our rules around this silly part of the show, but I, you know. I love it. Yeah. It definitely feels sillier with a guest. Like when we're, when it's just you and I, like I feel less like silly about the rules, but now that Mia's here, I feel like, oh, this is stupid. What? I'm no, so excited. Okay, good. Let me do it. Um, cool. All right, okay. well, I'll, I'll ask about the first one then, Lance. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Okay, okay, so I just, am I following the rules if I just list some movies I've seen recently? Yes. Okay. Some of these are like a few weeks ago, but because... I haven't talked on the podcast yet. I figured I'd throw them in. Also, yeah. you guys watch way more movies than I do. <laughs> so <laughs> I needed totally more cool. options. Um, okay. So I saw Emma, period. You know how it's got the period at the end of it. Mm-hmm. I saw Emma. That was actually the last movie I saw in theaters. Um, and I saw You Were Never Really Here with Joaquin Phoenix. Extraction. I just found on Netflix. It has Chris Hemsworth in it. Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears, which Molly and I are big fans of the Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries TV series. So yeah. uh, that's the movie. I watched The Hunt. I watched Lady Bird last night. And then I've been watching just my favorite parts of uh, Isn't It Romantic? Because it's just a great palate cleanser for a lot of these ones that I listed are really uh, dark kind of depressing and then I actually watch a lot of tv so I finished I watched all of never have I ever love is blind sex education's recent season all these Agatha Christie uh miniseries avenue five um future man I finished that recent season and then the big one that my husband Terry and I have been watching we finished all five, four, four seasons of The Expanse, which nice. is excellent. <laughs> that's it. That's my list. So do I choose one to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I feel like the obvious choice is The Expanse, but I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed Never Have I Ever, the TV series. Mm-hmm. Can I choose a TV show? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Molly's yeah. decided that we can do TV shows. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, I decided, and actually Lance did get mad the last time. <laughs> I wasn't oh. mad. I just didn't realize we were doing TV shows. That's all. Okay, yeah, well, well, I don't want to mess it up. No, no, no. I'm just saying that up. Lance did choose a TV show. I have a TV show on my list, so it's totally good now. Yeah, but remember that one. I'm Now I'm being pedantic. <laughs> but it's the <laughs> one about the, the drug trade. Oh, it's true. That's true. So Absolutely true. It. You're right. You're right. I take it back. I'm sorry. I apologize. Okay. Apology accepted. All right. Please proceed, Mia, with the TV show. Never have I ever. It's set in Southern California, and it's from this Indian American high schooler's uh, point of view, and it's just really 
funny, but also very heartwarming and it deals with really serious stuff, but in a really funny, very high school way. Mm -hmm. Um, and John McEnroe is the narrator, which is like Ah! out of left field. Uh, and the main character, they went through like 18,000 different audition tapes of real high schoolers and just found her out of nowhere. Um, the main actress. So I just thought it was really cute and the opposite of Dune in almost every way. So I thought I'd highlight that. Nice. That's Mindy Kaling's show, right? Yes. Yeah. She, she wrote it, directed, I think just wrote it. Cool. Well, actually I am curious about The Expanse because I haven't really heard much about it. And will you talk about it without spoiling any plot details whatsoever? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Expanse from what I know about it, because I really enjoy watching things, but I don't always research them. So I think The Expanse started as like one of those, like a sci-fi lesser known series and had a bit of a cult following, but so they only had hardcore fans and then like no mainstream fans. Mm -hmm. But then I think Amazon picked it up and now it's on, it's available on Prime and I think they're funding it too. Mm -hmm. And so it's gaining a lot of popularity. Um, and we jumped on that bandwagon. It's, it just does a really good job. You find out in the first episode. So it's, I guess, spoiling the first 10 minutes of the first episode, but you find out that it's set in the future. Uh, it's about space travel adventures in space, but it's such excellent world building because it uh, imagines a universe or a yeah, whole universe, but mostly our galaxy where Earthlings are one faction, Mars is another faction, and their goal, they're kind of against each other because Earth loves Earth and Mars wants to terraform Mars. And then there's a third faction, which I think is the genius of the show, is just Mm -hmm. having three groups that conflict with each other because it doesn't happen very often. Usually it's like there's bad One against the other, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's the belters and they are like this marginalized group of people that don't have a real leader. They've, they're often terrorists, but they're just marginalized and disenfranchised. And they have this whole like look to them. They're all, they're all humans, but it's just really cool how they distinguish them. Like belters can't survive because of the light, less gravity. Mm -hmm. Um, and so their, their bodies like, Oh dang. What? Yeah. It's great or something. No, they're just like, if, if they want to torture a belter, for instance, uh-huh. they just like send them to earth and just put them in a room, you yeah. know, because that's like so much weight on their body that they're practically breaking down. Anyway, oh that's God. a spite uh, that may or may not happen, Lance, <laughs> 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 but it's just a really cool show and you get to know the characters. The first season's a little slow, but if you stick with it, like you really start to really get attached to the characters and the cast is super diverse they don't imagine a world where only men are the fighters and the women are the people that do politics um Uh it's it's just really really cool to to watch i recommend it highly yeah that sounds super good that's awesome i just want to briefly know how you felt about you were never really here Oh, yeah. I'm actually really curious about that, too. Oh, that one was a while ago. I remember thinking, what did I say about it? I think we said it was, like, good Joker. (laughs) 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 No, I I liked Joker okay, but I think we just said it was a similar character 
for Joaquin Phoenix to play. It just highlights what a good actor he is and mm-hmm. he has a lot to do with the character. Uh, it's a dark movie, but I remember liking it. I have like a, gra- I don't think I like her movies in general. Like what she did the, we need to talk about Kevin also, right? Oh, did she? I didn't, I, I don't so. even know. Who is the director? I don't even remember. Lynn, Lynn Ramsey. Ramsey, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. She's, it just, they're so dark. <laughs> and yeah, it's hard for me to watch things that are only dark with no humor at all. Yeah. Um, and that's why I do, I mean, going back to Dune a little bit, there are these blotches of humor, even though it is very serious as a novel, it seems mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, but that movie was like, ooh, this is just serious. <laughs> and that's why I said I'll put on like the end of Isn't It Romantic just to feel a little <laughs> lighter. Uh-huh. Cool. Molly, do you want to do your list? Um, sure. So I watched uh, the half of it, Dragon Slayer, Reds, Little Shop of Horror, the Dead Zone, and the first episode of this mini series called Eight Hours Don't Make a Day. But that was two hours, so I thought it counted as a movie. And actually, I'll talk about that one because uh, it's Rainer Werner Fassbinder. It's a mini series by him, he's a German director. Mm-hmm. And it was made for TV. It's like a, it was commissioned to, he was commissioned to do like a, a story on the working class family. And I really like, I've only seen one other thing by him and it was The Marriage of Maria Braun and I loved that movie. He does like extreme melodrama. It's all about like post-war Germany, kind of fucked up it is. <laughs> he was making movies like right after World War II, the next decade or so. And that's when he's kind of started doing all that. And just like how society like went back to normal, but it's still so ravaged by deep darkness (laughs) first episode was like about this guy named Joaquin Joaquin I don't know but he was really hot to be honest (laughs) (laughs) um and he's like uh works in a tool making factory and I guess um he's going to start like riling them up to um unionize which cool into that and he like meets this woman and it starts at this birthday party for his grandmother and his grandmother's really great. I don't know. It's, it was just really good. So um, I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of it. But yeah, I love his style. It's like very over, like everything's super saturated and people are very dramatic and like really interacting with each other in like emotional ways. And it's great. Cool. So that's, that's, that's cool. I really like Foshbender, but I haven't seen that many of his things and I've never seen that I was just looking up to see like where in his oeuvre that fit in yeah it was before the marriage of Maria Braun it was like 1974 or something but I don't know where that really plays okay 72 73 it looks like mm-hmm. and there's to, to be fair if you or not to be fair uh to uh if you if you want to watch his like earlier stuff, it's loaded with hot guys. Like Foshbender cool. was just like put hot guys in all his movies. I He's mean, these pretty guys into were, hot guys. Yeah, they were all the men in it were like extraordinarily hot in like a way I've never really even seen. Like this guy what? had this huge nose and like 
big bushy eyebrows and his face was just so like he had so many extreme features that I like could not stop looking at him and he like is always wearing like all denim and going to the tool factory it was just (laughs) (laughs) very very hot (laughs) and yet it's a tool factory yeah it's literally a tool factory (laughs) like what could be hotter than imagining like oh a hot construction worker just working with tools oh no i made the tools that other (laughs) hot guys Yeah, it really, it really rocked. And he had a best friend who, like, is kind of the more intellectual one, I guess. And he was also really hot in a different kind of way. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I guess I'll just ask Molly how you felt about the dead zone. Oh, loved it. It's Thought super it was, Yeah, it's so fun. And I've never seen a movie with Christopher Walken where he's the star, I don't think. Oh. And, yeah. Like, and I was, when I was watching it, I was like, oh yeah I mean he's always just been kind of like a bit character people's impressions like it's just never gone further than that with me and so seeing him like in this starring role I loved him I thought he was so great he's so elegant his line delivery is so specific and surprising it was just really captivating I really loved him in it and then I loved how the movie itself had all these dark turns kind of felt like a little bit like an anthology you know he uh gets into a car accident he wakes up from a coma and has psychic powers and for the first half of the movie or even further than that we're just seeing how that power works like he solves the murder oops sorry well what I won't go into more (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like you kind of get to see how that works and those are really fast but also like dark and really interesting and then the ultimate story is like he touches the hand of this politician and realizes this guy is maybe no good and has to decide what to do with that but yeah so I just it was also just like it wasn't one story just drug out it was like all these interesting little stories did you had you ever seen Little Shop of Horrors before you watched it Uh uh-uh this is my (gasps) first time yeah what did you think I loved it I mean I thought it was so it was the one with Rick Moranis Mm -hmm. I was surprised at how many comedians were in the movie Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, Bill Murray, Jim Belushi. Steve uh, Martin. Steve Martin, yeah. <laughs> I love Rick Moranis. I just think he's so, I don't know, cute. <laughs> yeah, I loved Audrey and Audrey too. The songs were really fun. I loved all the sets. Do you know if you saw the, like, the original ending or the theatrical ending? Oh, I don't know. I think she probably saw the theatrical ending. What's the original ending? The original ending is, like, just much darker. The movie was pretty dark, but it wasn't... No, it wasn't dark, because he's... Does he die in the original one? That's a major spoiler question, Molly. (laughs) (laughs) I actually... Okay, Little Shop of Horror. People who haven't seen it, stop listening now. Skip forward 30 seconds. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) plants take over the world. Yeah. jeez. Cool. But in That's the movie, much cooler. Yeah. The movie, yeah. it's like a cheesy picket fence. Yeah. They get they get their mm-hmm. dream house, right? Yeah. 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 They're like mowing the lawn in the end. I saw the Broadway play and I had already seen the movie many times, loved it, like memorized the soundtrack. So I didn't have high hopes for the play to, you know, to love it more, but it was actually better. Like they did an amazing job. And oh, I think, cool. And I think they stuck with the 
original ending in the play, which is yeah, because awesome. it's it's got a song. <gasps> yeah. Oh. Everybody's favorite song. Go. Oh. In the world or from- no? Uh, from that. Who from- <laughs> <laughs> the dogs out? No. <laughs> uh, I'm a dentist. Is that the name of it? That's Probably. so good. It's oh, so yeah. good, but I-, I do love Suddenly Seymour. Yeah, uh, I think I'm all about Skid Row. Skid Row. It's great. Yep. In the Broadway version, they have those three singers, you know, the narrators. Mm-hmm. And that's excellent because they're, oh, you know, they're so glamorous. And, uh-huh. Oh, it's so fun. It rocks. Okay, people who are afraid of spoilers are back, hopefully. Okay, okay yep. Hi, welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> I guess I'll go through my list here. And I'm sure I'm missing some uh, because, I, again, I forgot to, like, write them down earlier. So we watched Captain America Civil War. Doctor Strange, The Spy Who Came Out of the Cold, Austin Powers, Sherlock Holmes of the Hound of the Baskervilles, the 1950s version, Sherlock Episode 1, Young Sherlock Holmes, and The Great Mouse Detective. I'm sensing, I'm sensing a theme towards yeah. the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should throw Miss Fisher in there. Well, I have two yeah. spy. Yeah, I also have like two spy movies. I've got two Marvel movies, two spy movies, and four Sherlock Holmes movies. Mm-hmm. Is the Great Mouse Detective a Sherlock Holmes movie? I've never seen it. Yeah, it's about a mouse, the mouse who lives in Sherlock Holmes's <gasps> house. Oh my <laughs> gosh! <laughs> oh, so cute. <laughs> um, I'll have to watch that. I will say it doesn't quite hold up. It's oh. not great. It's just like it's it's it, it's, it's during kids. the like lazy eighties Disney like when oh. they weren't the animation wasn't as good and like there's one song and it's like it's just it's fine it's fun but it's just like it's not as good. I'm picturing okay. like the song is like powers of deduction and cheese. <laughs> 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 what else can it be about? Yeah. The I one song is about the villain whose name is Radigan, who insists he's not a rat. Oh. So, yeah. We'll just say that I expanded on the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I love the spy who came in from the cold. Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't like it? No, I did like it. I just thought... I thought the acting was really good. I thought the cinematography was great. I think it's a really well-made movie, but I kept thinking about how, as far as like John le Carre's adaptations goes, it's kind of a boring one. Because I need a lot, like, the thing is like his, 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 his I've never read a book of his, but I like, as far as his adaptations go, the characters are, are interesting because of where they fit in in the story plot-wise. Uh, and I need a lot going on and I need like a lot of stuff happening because the characters by themselves are not that interesting because they don't have a whole lot of emotional attachments. This one has like kind of a love story in it, which I like, but like there's just not as much plot going on. So it's a little boring. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's, I, lo- I it just felt like spy realism. Yeah. that Well, that's what I like about his yeah. like, his is that he was a spy so he knows yeah. about spies so that's that's what's cool about it there's just very little glamour in that movie and i really like that like i just mm-hmm. remember watching it and like being pretty devastated by it and just like ultimately very sad and empty but in a very good way 
Yeah, I liked how it was the anti-James Bond. And yeah, this movie had come out, like, right after James Bond had gotten popular. So I did, like, really appreciate how this was, like, the opposite of a James Bond movie. hmm Yeah. Mia, any curiosities? Oh. Oh, I want to know if Austin Powers holds up. That's the question that I had, too, because I hadn't seen it in a very long time. Uh, I'll say it's worth watching. Yeah, it's it whole, it's funny. Like, the parts you remember are the boring parts because you remember them because everyone has repeated those jokes over and over and over again and said, like, yeah, baby, shagadelic, it's not my bag. All those jokes are boring because it's just, like, overkill. But, like, what's left over is, like, some really funny gags. Like, there's some really funny moments. It's still a funny movie. It's just, like, that those overly repeated jokes are just like kind of like we you're not gonna laugh them because you know they're coming and you've just heard them a million times i remember watching austin powers in theaters and it being like the hardest i had ever laughed in my entire life yeah i was at just the right age i think i was in eighth grade when it came out or seventh grade oh that's perfect yeah Mm -hmm. that's perfect yeah no it was i remember thinking it was like the funniest thing in the world I was like, this is this is uh this is the new comedy right here. This is like gonna change comedies forever. <laughs> Would we have Anchorman without Austin Powers? Which was kind of my seventh grade movie. Maybe not. Will Farrell had a role in Austin Powers. Yeah, he's I mean. in it for like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very funny part. It is. <laughs> yeah. I the main joke I remember is the penis. The penis pump. grower, penis pump, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> showing up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you were you were too young. You just remembered the penis part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like, <laughs> anyway, I remember the he has like a song for farting in a hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a lot of details of Austin Powers. Yeah, he has lots. Of, he has like three or four different little rhymes he does. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, and he's so, he has such a hairy chest. That's right. Yeah. He has a chest wig. <laughs> shall, um, we, yeah. shall we jump into some Dune talk? Let's do it. Let's do it. it. <laughs> so thank you for getting into the spirit, Mia. Yes. Let's <laughs> do it. Uh, all right, so we covered the first the first six chapters of book two. Cool. So overall, I would say that this is kind of an alliance section oh yeah it's yeah it's it's people realigning yeah absolutely yeah yeah that was kind of the main thing like seeing where everybody is after this big shakeup of uh the herkonans and the sardaukar invading the atreides house yeah so i guess we'll just start in uh the first chapter yeah well actually first can i ask hey Miet, so what did you think of the first book oh yeah Oh, I thought it was interesting. I think, so my experience reading this book, I did not listen to your podcast before I started reading it. I didn't really read about the book at all. Mm-hmm. And and this has happened to me before in other genres too, music, movies, TV shows, where I think like, what's the big deal about this? Mm-hmm. Like, it's good, but why do people love this? And then I have to remember that it was written before people became obsessed with Star Trek and Star Wars and space travel in general. And, and then, you know, I did listen to your podcast and how you touch on 
uh, that George Lucas just jacked a lot of these ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I totally see that. And so I, I really appreciated it, but I did have to remind myself of that. Even things, just little things like, oh yeah, the reason that it's a big deal when Jessica uses the voice is because nobody has heard of the force yet. <laughs> yeah. Right, and right. like, these are not the droids you're looking for isn't a thing. And so mm-hmm. I did, I was just a little bit annoyed that I didn't have that pure experience of reading it. Cause I'm mm-hmm. sure I talked to my mom about, you know, I started reading it and she's an avid reader and she was like, I remember loving those books. And, and I just thought, what's the big deal? But yeah, I, I really like it. I think it's, I think it's super original because I haven't read anything <laughs> that was written before it that's like it, you know? So, uh-huh. so I'm really into it now, keeping that in mind. Um, like the music analogy for me is when I first heard the Beatles, I was like, what's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, Hot oh, <laughs> then I listened to some of the other music that was around at the time and was like, I see the big deal. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I will say that I want, I really long for the little bits of lightness in the yeah. book, like Paul and Jessica and the Duke. It's like, man, your lives are supposed to be good, but you have like no fun. No. Yeah. And even like, you're not even married, so you can't even love on each other in public as much as you want to, you know? Like, yeah, I know they never even kiss. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I, what and I do, I agree with some of your assessment that some of their decisions are like, why do they think that they should do that? And you don't really get a good, you don't get a good look into why. So I'm assuming that some of that will come later. Like we might understand why people want to destroy Leto or Leto. (laughs) I don't know how to say some of the words. That's right. We both pronounce everybody's name differently. So yeah. just we go with whatever it. feels right. <laughs> yeah, I say Harkonnen in my head. <laughs> but I don't... Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I, that's a long-winded way of saying I like it, but I did have to remind myself why it's super unique. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Cool. Okay, so we jump in with chapter one with kind of an intense year-long quote. Oh, yeah. About... The Padishah's reaction to Duke, the news of Duke Leto's death, where he like pretty much throws a fit and like takes it out on the women in his life. Right. And was it that he like that like indicated the weakness of the entire empire, or I don't know, like what was what were we kind of supposed to? That was just an interesting place to start. I think I it's mean- that yeah. I was going to say, I, I feel like it's more that the emperor obviously feels guilty because he had a part in this. And mm-hmm. I think he feels guilty and he's taking his guilt out on those around him instead of himself. Yeah. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I got from it. Yeah. Classic transference. Yes. Yeah. I have, it was interesting reading all these, what do you call them? The little prefaces or excerpts from her mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. books. Because I still don't really know how to interpret them. Like, I don't know if they're from the future or, you know, like, I'm just still a little curious about them. Mm-hmm. I think the and, idea is that, yeah, that they're from the future. And I, I don't know if you're supposed to understand, like, are they supposed to foreshadow what happens in that next chapter or are they just summarizing? I don't know. Um, 
I'm always looking into them, but then I forget about them as soon as I read them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah, I think you're right. The like correlation isn't always clear, but I'm always like, okay, what is it? Like why this quote here? Yeah. I think I also, I don't have either of you ever read uh, Mistborn? Mm-mm. No. Trilogy. I think he borrows heavily from this book. I think his name's Brandon Sanderson, uh-huh. but he starts every chapter in the whole trilogy with an excerpt of, from a reference material, like a journal. And mm-hmm. it becomes super essential to the plot later on. <laughs> and so the whole time I'm reading this, I'm like, am I going to have, is there going to be a quiz on this? Are we going to have to remember all <laughs> <Right>. this <laughs> right. for later on? But don't tell me if you, you know, yeah, the case. But I think that's why mm-hmm. I'm like overly analytical about them. And then, yeah, immediately forget. Mm-hmm. I think they're sp- more spiritually connected than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes there's ideas that line up because they do mention like Moadib's ancestry and then it starts with him saying like now Harkonnen shall kill Harkonnen so I I, I, I feel like that, that ideas line up but it's not always very obvious mm-hmm. yeah so okay so we're kind of in Jessica's perspective mm-hmm. here um, where she's like waking up in their sphincter tent and <laughs> she's having a dream that the Duke like Duke Leto's name keeps is in the sand and you know, it's being buried by Arrakis, like his memory. Mm-hmm. And then she has also like a mother abandonment dream. She's just upset. And her like inner child is screaming. Yeah, she's not ready. But Paul is like suited up and like ready to get out of there. Kind right. of where we start. Uh, and and kind of like, I feel like symbolically their tent has been buried in sand. Like oh, they've yeah. been swallowed by Arrakis. They're like fully pulled into Arrakis now, because mm-hmm. um, he has to dig his way out of the out of the tent. Um, yeah, there's like a sandstorm. I mean, the sandstorm is a big part of this whole section. Feels like yeah, yeah. It's just extremely sandy <laughs> and windy. <laughs> it's very sandy. There's a part I don't know if it's in this chapter where I think it's Jessica just thinks sand. Like it says that she just thought the word sand. <laughs> and, and when I read it, I thought that's like in a movie where they say the title of the movie, but for your podcast, they, oh, cool. they said, <laughs> they're shouting out your podcast. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. This is just all pod promo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This whole chapter. Yeah. He wrote this book so that he could promote our later podcast. <laughs> it's pretty genius. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it when Paul says the place to hit them is in the spice. Yeah, get right in the spice. Yeah. We get the first glimpse of like a faraway battle. There's lots of like faraway battles in this to kind of give you the like, they don't ever really like jump into these like big giant battles. You just see like big giant battles far away. Mm-hmm. So he kind of sees that and that's when he says pillars of fire, which is interesting because how did, did he get that note that Leto had? Like, did he have access to notes? Oh, to yeah. The note that Leto got? I don't think so. It's, it's interesting. But again, like he's, you know, he can see everything yeah, at all yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they they get out there, they see some ornithopters and they're like, oh shit. And they start to run and then we cut away. Mm-hmm. Oh, to everyone's favorite character, 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Thufer is immediately being just him, his annoying self. Thufer gonna Thufer. <laughs> Thufer gonna Thufer, no matter where he is. <laughs> It reminded me of, there's this tweet that like people post every once in a while that says, real talk, the most dangerously emotional people in the world are men so obsessed with being rational that they consistently mistake their own feelings for objective logic on the basis that believing in rationality, their feelings guided by rationality and thus infallible. And that to me was a good year long quote for this chapter of Thufer where he like is clearly upset that he didn't prepare his he failed his duke and so now he's like taking it out on jessica and it's going to consume him yeah i've been getting i've been hearing lots of hate uh for thufer from a lot of people are sharing like their hate for thufer getting like text messages about what an asshole and idiot he is i think it just like pretty pretty much solidifies his like not just that he's an asshole but he's just like kind of stupid yeah the fact that he still thinks jessica is the is the traitor yeah and he doesn't think about her basically her superpower anymore (laughs) he like forgets (laughs) that important part of like okay if you really think she's the traitor fine you're bad but fine i'll believe that (laughs) but i won't believe that you don't immediately tell someone like uh also she can control people (laughs) So yeah. let's watch out for that aspect. Right. I, 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 and it's possible that his detachment from emotion, like part of his mentat, a deta- detachment from emotion, has made him just not realize that he is thinking emotionally. That right. he is angry at uh, about what happened, and he's 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 making these emotional judgments and not and not using logic, without realizing that he's not using logic. No, completely. He's totally blinded by his own uh, idea of the mentat. I mean, that's why it starts. I think. I've always prided myself on seeing things the way they truly are. He's like, yeah. why is he boasting to himself next to the woman? <laughs> to himself. <laughs> yeah, he's just like reassuring himself in the Fremen. The guy says, a robed man squatted silently on sand across from Hawat, apparently unmoved by the words. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, uh, are you talking to me, dude? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm trying to keep track of like all these Sardaukar who are about to storm in so i'm right. really listening to you brag on your like rational ability here right yeah it does seem very uh def- overly defensive mm-hmm. the lady don't <laughs> right. protest <laughs> so they have he meets this fremen talking to this fremen who i don't think we ever get named do we no he just they just call, keep calling him the the fremen mm-hmm. uh they talk about how expensive this attack must have been they mentioned that it was like 50 years worth of income from all of arrakis which is sounds like a lot of money and it just makes it makes lives seem so insignificant to the to 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 the people involved like that they're spending this much money to like settle a personal issue oh yeah you know he starts talking about water Mm -hmm. conservation and this is another thing like i liked a lot like sitting and thinking smugly that he was such a rational guy. And then the, the Fremen is like, okay, so here's your wounded. And how are you going to use those wounded in order to spread their water? And Huat's just like, I can't even, what are you talking about? Like you can't, he's like not thinking about that at all. It was interesting. It was like, 
this is a logical, this is like you're faced with this certain reality and like you're not acknowledging it. You know, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a serious, yeah, there's like a serious communication gap going on mm-hmm. for the first chunk of this conversation because Thufer's just like, hey, can you help my people? And, and this Fremen is just like, you don't have water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that actually put it into perspective, this like money thing. Cause like the Fremen, he says later, like the Harkonnens have no, have no water and they could never buy us because of that. Cause they have no, mm-hmm. none of what we place value in. Um, so it is kind of funny, like hearing the Harkonnens spend whatever 50 years worth of spice income and the Fremen are like, uh, that's actually nothing. Right. <laughs> yeah. We do find out that Gurney is safe with the smugglers. A little, uh-huh. little sigh of relief that Gurney's still alive. This whole um, part makes me a little confused what a mentat is. Yeah. Because it really makes me think they're not what they're chalked up to be. You know? I mean, mm-hmm. these people, the Fremen are super logical. I really like the Fremen, by the way. Like, this first, these chapters made me really love them. Yeah. Um, but more on that later. Yeah, like, like this part, he says, can you help our wounded? And they say, they are wounded. The Fremen says they're wounded. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then this mentat who's supposed to be so logical and not emotional, like we said, the same damn answer every time. And then he says, we know they're wounded. That's not the... And then the guy cuts him off by saying, peace, friend. <laughs> 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 like, what more logical way is there to say, chill the fuck out. Seriously. You peace, are overreacting. Friend. Peace, mm-hmm. like, chill out. And friend, remember, like, I'm helping you majorly right now. Yes. <laughs> and you're freaking out on me. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I just, it makes me confused whether the mentat are actually something important or whether it's more like, yeah, everybody, you know, if you do the, it's like an online certification, like you Mm -hmm. can get it, but some are better than others. I do think it's like an online certification, honestly. I think that's a great analogy. (laughs) It's like, Um, pay what you want for this mentat mm -hmm. degree. (laughs) Yeah, and they're all, like, convinced that that's some, like, necessary aspect of war and power. Like, they need a mentat. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just training. That's all it is. Although, I guess, don't they say, like, some people are born with mentat abilities? I just don't buy that they're not humans. You don't buy that they're not humans? Yeah. Like, they are humans, right? Yeah, they're humans. I guess that's the whole point. They're human computers. Yeah, they're human computers, right? Yes. I just think they're way more human than computer. Right. And I think that's the problem with a mentat is that like the idea, sure, the idea of like training a human to be a computer and to just be completely logical sounds maybe nice to certain people, but you can't make a human not a human and there's going to be emotion. You can't erase that part of your humanity. Like that's just what that's that's what you're made of. So like shutting that out doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, and I also think it's like like a lot of programmers where mm-hmm. some programmers are better than others. Like if you give them a thing to do, yeah, you can do it. But but it's sort of like if you start with the wrong premise that like Lady Jessica's the spy. Okay, I will follow logical reasoning, but my premise is wrong from the beginning. So I'm actually, you know, my algorithm's totally false <laughs> and it's going to get me nowhere. And that's what I feel like is wrong with him right now and maybe – what I didn't understand about the mentat. I thought mentat was more like 
truth, like they have this source of truth and the logic follows from that. But now I understand it's more, they have no source of truth. They're just logic. Oh, that's so interesting. Cause that's the quote that it starts with is my father once told me that respect for truth comes close to being the basis for all morality. Something cannot emerge from nothing. This is profound thinking if you understand how unstable the truth can be. But I mean, that's yeah. interesting because it's like he he's working from his truth mm-hmm. at the moment, but it is from like a human flaw where he has this distaste for Jessica for some reason and wants to blame somebody else for his failure. Mm-hmm. And it like leads to nothing but problems. But yeah, I like that. Like it does, it starts from the wrong premise. And after that, he's like, serve, he's serving it completely. He's yeah. like. Mm-hmm. So then they seem to find a, a, a point of like understanding when Thufur is like allows him to take his, one of his dead soldiers essentially and take the mm-hmm. water from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they seem to like gain respect for each other at that point. I actually misread this part and uh, uh-huh. I, th- I thought it was in a very funny way. I wrote the quote <laughs> down. So the Fremen says, we will treat your comrade with the same reverence we treat our own. But I misread it as we will eat your comrade with the same <laughs> reverence we eat our own. <laughs> same because thing, I'm, honestly. I'm picturing like that's what they're doing basically or like putting a straw in them or, you know, basically. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, I think that's that's even what they're like suggesting in that previous chapter at the dinner when they're talking about the birds, the yeah, cannibalistic the cannibal. birds. That's yeah. essentially what they're what they're saying. Yeah, but I also thought the part before that was some of the way that uh, that he writes, it doesn't sit with me. Like, I just don't hear the way the characters are supposedly saying it. I know that I'm reading it wrong. Like, the part before that, the guy that dies, his name is Arky, and the way mm-hmm. that someone tells Thufur or Hawat um, that he died is they yell, Arky just died. <laughs> 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 yeah. And what he just died? <laughs> yeah, Arky just died. And when I read that, I'm like, there's, I don't know, it's just so bizarre he to me. He just dropped dead. Yeah. And there's parts later on where uh, he writes, ah, like A H dash H dash H. And same with no. It's like N O dash O dash O. And I just read that as like, no. <laughs> I don't know. It's maybe it's just me, but some of them I'm like, there's okay. One more, one more part that I yeah. <laughs> no, please. Yeah. There's there's a part really early on, not in these chapters, where you know the there's like a decoy type spy to make it look like Ua is not the traitor, and they they say we caught the person that was controlling that that weird thing uh-huh. that was killed Paul. Um, they're like, oh my lady, we caught the person, and Lady Jessica's like okay, I want to be in there when you interrogate him. And, the way, and then they say, sorry, my lady, we messed up catching him. He died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, all of the minor characters don't speak well, which I think is well, interesting. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. Like, that's where I'm getting my sort of lightness from, is I'm just yeah. picturing the, the, the major characters are, like, carrying this heavy burden and blah, blah, blah. And the, mm-hmm. the minor characters, including the Fremen, are like, our lives are dispensable, uh-huh. as are our roles in this story, and they don't take care with how they talk at all. Yeah, in, yeah. It, it's interesting in the in the audiobook, which is how I've been reading most of this. It, the 
the Atreides soldiers mm -hmm. all have like Cockney accents and they oh, have wow. this like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, they, cause they just have a different way of speaking in the book. And so they just, I guess they kind of translate it as like, oh, these, these, they would have a Cockney accent. I like that. I will um, say one cool line from the Fremen. Ufer's like still, you know, saying he has to be, he says, I wish to be freed of my responsibility for my wounded that I may get about it. Cause he wants to just leave his men and go find Jessica, I guess. Right. And the Fremen scowled, how can you be responsible for your wounded? They are their own responsibility. Right. Yeah. No, that's, cool. that's, I just had that outline for that, that exact quote. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cool. Um, I mean, I guess the Fremen, yeah, everybody's kind of self-autonomous, like self-autonomous. They're autonomous. <laughs> right. But the water is an issue. Is it like the next thing? He's like, the, the, that, that, the water is an issue. Mm -hmm. And he says, would you have me to take that decision away from you? Yeah. Yeah. You have to, yeah. Yeah, I know. The Fremen, like, doesn't let him kind of cop out of anything. And he does right. it all very cordially. But he's just like, what are you, do what are you talking right. about? Yeah. <laughs> Peace, friend. Make a fucking decision. <laughs> yeah. Peace, friend. So this whole time, like, when the Fremen is kind of talking about the battle that they had uh, and how many Sardaukar they killed. Uh-huh. Thufur is essentially just like, fuck off, no way. You couldn't have possibly, mm -hmm. like, lost two men against, like, 40 Sardaukar. Like, that's not possible. Uh -huh. And then they're attacked by by the Harkonnen slash Sardaukar. Mm -hmm. And I love this, the, the, the line from the Fremen leader. He says, watch the other side of the basin. You will see a thing. <laughs> like like this is gonna be this, this is really gonna blow your mind like we're good at fighting oh yeah yeah that so, is cool i actually i w i didn't know if that's how they were saying it or if they were they're just like they don't even know how good they are at fighting did you think they were like yeah we know we're really good at fighting because i thought they were like yeah we're, we're gonna go like it's no thing to them they just don't know I mean, I, I felt there was a little bit of pride in what he said. I didn't think it was like super bragging, but I felt, I, yeah, I, f I felt like he was like, he was essentially like, watch this, like, check this out. Mm -hmm. Like, you will see a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because what happens next is really boss. Like, yeah, yeah. But then, so this yeah. part is what confused me. They, um, they take the ornithopter, mm -hmm. you know, they take control of it. Uh -huh. And Hawat and all you know, the Atreides soldiers are like, oh, shit, and, like, very, very impressed, and the Fremen said, did you notice how well they fought, <laughs> and I was, I thought he was saying it about the Sardaukar, like, oh, they were pretty good. <laughs> oh, I thought they were, too. <laughs> yeah, and so that's why I thought, he, he doesn't understand how amazing it is that they can beat Sardaukar. And, oh yeah and like they they are proud of their own ways and the tricks that they can pull in the dunes and stuff but they don't even know how talented they are i loved that part yeah i mean i kind of read it as like him he like kind of sees everybody as equals like he still but is also very aware of everybody's what everybody is actually doing like when he's talking to Thufur he gives them every benefit of the doubt of like being respectful towards him and with the Sardaukar too it's like oh wow they fight really well but that's like an unemo that's just that's again like an objective information like they fight really well but then they're so capable and so ready 
to fight that it's not really a big issue. There's like, there's actually very little, it feels like very little ego, except yeah, when you say they, you will see a thing, it's like the only hint of- Right, right. Like, and it's, and hey, it's only a hint, because he doesn't yeah. say you're gonna yeah. see something cool. He doesn't no. even give it an adjective. Yeah. He just says, he says you'll you will see, see a, a thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, and then the 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 uh, the Fremen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, the Fremen, the Fremen take take that ornithopter and like just plow through. Yeah, that that people carrier, which just like destroys all these Sardaukar mm-hmm. in like one quick swoop, and like the uh, Thufers just like, holy shit, that's amazing. The Fremen guy doesn't like seem to. He's like, yeah. Pretty good, right? Like we only lost like one person. That was that. that I I feel like okay about that. And then and then all of a sudden, yeah, the Harkonnen show up and yeah, kill that guy, knock out Thuper. Yeah. I guess uh-huh. that's why they didn't. Uh, that's why they didn't give him a name. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, we would have been way too attached. This guy was way too cool. Yeah, he I was really cool. Him. Yeah, when he says, um, "I'd hope to have us away with more without more inconvenience." <laughs> Yeah. Because yeah. Convenience. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hawat is so like pampered. Like he could only imagine that the Harkonnen would like do a minor. Like I think he thought the extent of the threat was that little hunter seeker mm-hmm. that attacked Paul. He was like, right. "All right, we've handled the situation." Right. He had no idea that it was like two armies of you know empires coming in like no hint no imagination so like to him this is just like the worst thing but like to the fremen this is like just a situation as any other thing you just get hawat just again how fucking dweeby and <laughs> weepy but he's and, and he's supposed to have this history of serving three dukes and yeah. glory and battle and stuff and yeah he's he's out of touch that's he's out very of out of touch yeah He's like an old guy that doesn't know what TikTok is, and the Fremen are like, "Well, we can't explain it to you." Yeah, I'm like, mm. and then they're just doing like sick videos that get like seven million views, and they're like, "Oh, I thought it would be an inconvenience that we have a million views." Yeah. So the okay, Harkonnens capture Thufur. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now we're on to chapter three. We're back with Paul and Jessica. Mm-hmm. It, we're just exactly where we left off with the that first chapter. And Paul notices the way that Thopter is flying and can tell it's Duncan. Aw. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that is? Like, he's doing, like, cool loops and stuff? <laughs> uh, I think it's the way... It, it says that's the... I think the way it turns. Mm. Uh, and, he, and he just could tell, like, oh, that's his, fly, his flying style. And so he just knows right away it's Duncan. Yeah, I just figured it was more of Paul's mind powers. That, right. Um, I was a little eye rolly at that part. I'm a little annoyed with Paul, honestly. Sure. He's not nice. He's not nice <laughs> to his mom. No. But they He's do not. share a laugh. I think they share a laugh soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I imagine Duncan Idaho's style to be, like, very casual. Like, he's, like, driving with his knees almost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's got, like, the window open and, like, a big dog. In the Dude. front seat. Like hanging his tongue out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just like totally chilling. Maybe even has like a big beer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, and like his turning <laughs> is very like at the last minute, but like mm-hmm. effective. Yeah. So I that's guess how I, 
That would be something if Paul's like, I can tell it's Duncan. But Lady Jessica's like, yeah, because he drives drunk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I knew it was Duncan, too. Yeah, I hate the way he... <laughs> or, yeah, or he's just, like, a terrible driver, and she's like, ugh, I already have morning sickness. I'm about to get car sick, too. <laughs> this sucks. Can't you just see could hear sober? his burping. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, Paul's like, oh, I could tell by the way he turned, and she's like, I can see his face through the window. <laughs> it's like, cool, Paul. <laughs> he yelled, yeah, it's me, right Duncan. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, Kynes is there, too, and they go to the secret base. This place is cool. This is super cool. And it's also, the like, they realize, or Paul realizes, this is one of the places that, uh, Leto wanted to like kind of take over, mm-hmm. wanted to take as his own. What is it called? It's called the Imperial Ecological Test Station. Yeah. 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 And I also like Jessica goes in there and she like, it's like they mentioned the Benny Gesserit and it's like she gets the vibes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she says, Jessica glanced once around the chamber, registering it on her senses in the Benny Gesserit way. A laboratory, a civil place full of angles and squares in the ancient manner. It's like she like, she's like, oh, this place vibes. <laughs> yeah. In a science way. <laughs> so they notice that everyone's calling Kynes Liet. Uh, mm-hmm. So they realize, oh, this is like that spiritual leader we heard about. That it was Kynes all along. And then Paul starts being kind of a dick to Kynes and like it, like saying, you will call me Duke. Mm-hmm. You will call me, oh, he says, you'll address me as sire or my lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, gently, Jessica thought. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts kind of like pushing kinds. I like it right then. He says, I am an embarrassment to the emperor, Paul said. I am an embarrassment to all who would divide Arrakis as their spoil. As I live, I shall continue to be such an embarrassment that I stick in their throats and choke them to death. <laughs> <laughs> which kinds of responds words <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not even impressed he's like shut yeah okay yeah big deal no, yeah it. and then paul's like hey uh i might i'm i'm the lisa al guy right like and then kinds is like yeah superstition and then yeah, paul's kind- like yeah maybe not though right yeah, Kynes is one-wording him. You remember, you know, yeah. like when you yeah. text someone and you don't really want to talk to them? <laughs> or like, you haven't said anything interesting enough for me to respond to. I also like this. You have a plan, Kynes said. This much is obvious. Sire. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Sire. Sire. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I guess it seems like Paul's testing him. He um, wants to see if he can kind of be bought with power. With the offer of power. That's what it seemed like to me. I thought that he was testing kind of himself. Like um, whether or not he could. But yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Mm, I don't know. I just got the I, sense I, that Paul was like trying on this role. What do you think, not Mia? So, oh, go ahead, Mia. Yeah. I, I didn't really understand. I feel like Paul was just like grasping at straws here he was or i don't know is that the phrase he was just he's trying a bunch of different strategies like oh i'm an embarrassment to the emperor but even in the middle of that he changes his mind and is like but i am gonna get him and then 
and then kinds is like words and then paul's like okay well what if i'm this messiah character mm-hmm. right like superstition and he's like okay maybe um what about are you sure that there's sardaukar and he's like probably <laughs> and he's like okay and then he starts doing like a political stance mm-hmm. so i was kind of it was kind of hard for me to follow what his goal was i don't know if he's testing him or if he's just improvising at this point and he's like yeah i think he's trying to prove to kinds that he has leadership potential so that kinds will um like foresee the relationship like the alliance between him and the fremen because i think paul knows that he needs to be like kind of get in with the fremen and then he does kind of manage to get kinds's respect and then kinds gives them this like path to go down yeah so it's like i I felt like this whole the whole point of this chapter was to like prove to kinds that this alliance was what needed to happen because he was still even thinking at the beginning like could it should i just sell them out like right yeah yeah that he could uh i guess the, the 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 part that i thought felt like he was testing him. It says, from the throne, Paul said, I could make a paradise of Arrakis with a wave of a hand. This is the coin I offer you for your support. Mm-hmm. Kind stiffen. My loyalty's not for sale, sire. And then it says, th- essentially, like, Paul kind of, like, stares at him and then smiles and says, well spoken, I apologize. And I feel like that's, like, him, that's, he was just testing his limits. When he met to that point, that's when Paul changes strategy and is like, I, I'll die for you. You, yeah. you have my loyalty. And that's kind of immediately that's when kind's like, okay, like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I also will be loyal to you. Well, I also, uh, I, oh no, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to agree that I, I don't know whether Paul, I guess you're supposed to assume that he does have this plan. And so he does have a goal, but to me, mm-hmm. it felt a little bit like he was trying a bunch of different stuff. Maybe that was just to show kinds like I, I have a bunch of ideas. Like I can mm-hmm. see all these different ways. Um, mm-hmm. And then one of them offends him, but I did like the way it ends because I do like Paul, even though I'm annoyed with him right now. Mm-hmm. And Kynes is sort of a badass mm-hmm. or late. I don't know if we're supposed to, what we're supposed to call him, but I, I am glad that it ended up being that Paul had to show humility. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he meant it. Like it says yeah. a harsh smile touched Paul's lips and he said, well-spoken, I apologize. And I feel like that was maybe the one thing that he was, not planning you know like yeah it, it was a genuine uh, sorry yeah that was <laughs> that was overstepping my bounds um yeah i also i just want to say because i'm shipping jessica and uh, kinds mm-hmm. there's a part where it says kind spoke to jessica would his plan work i'm no mentat jessica said but you are Benny Gesserit. i was like that's, that's hot <laughs> <laughs> He's like so respectful of the Bene Gesserit power. So then they are attacked. And behind yeah. closed doors. So harsh. We lose Duncan. Yeah. Duncan is killed in the battle. And because oh we don't see it, I'm so hopeful that he's not actually. I dead. know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's not. Well, I'm not going to say anything. No. You already did. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So then, yeah, Kynes is essentially like, hey, don't worry about me. You guys get out of here. Mm-hmm. I can just say I'm a double agent uh, and say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still who they think I am. 
then I was like just collecting information from you guys. Uh, and he sends them through into this secret passageway that has these cool arrows that Those like they run. Those are so cool. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. I love it so much. It's funny is like years ago I wrote like I was writing like an outline for this like screen screenplay. Uh, and I thought I had found this like really cool moment where this like computer kind of leads this guy through a, through a maze by like these little lights that he presses like and then he can shut them off like they point either way. And then I realized reading this again, oh no, that's just this that's just this part <laughs> from Dune. Uh, but yeah, so cool. They like see it an arrow, they touch it and it disappears. So fucking cool. So I didn't understand that when I read it. I just don't think I read it closely enough. And, and so I actually was confused and I was like, what's the point of this maze? If there's just a bunch of arrows telling you where to go, (laughs) (laughs) like the other people are going to see them. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but that makes more sense. So thank you for explaining that. (laughs) (laughs) There's like, such a cool interaction between what is in there, like free will and fate, basically. And this is a cool metaphor for that, where the arrows are leading them. They kind of have to just put their faith in kinds and the arrows. And Paul is putting his fate into these premonitions he's getting. And like, there's just a, a cool interaction between like your personal choices and what is being told to you or like guiding you. Yeah. I liked the arrows coming in. I was like, this is very effective as a metaphor. Cool. Yeah, so they, they get into Thopter and they're on their way to go brave this storm. So we move on to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. We have a, a cool Irulan quote there. Uh-huh. What do you despise? By this are you truly known? Anyway. <laughs> Wait, what do you despise? What do you despise? By this you are truly known. So I'm known by cockroaches. (laughs) (laughs) I'm known by people um, eating too many snacks in the movie theater. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Too many snacks? Well, too loudly for too long. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, I'm probably known by like annoying people at movie theaters too um <laughs> so uh we've got ayakin the food again talking yep. to the baron he's like such a stoner yeah hero in this <laughs> he was like just like the baron like notices that he's like fucked up and then he just like <laughs> took, took something to like get him out of his like days yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. but his eyes are all fucked up yeah, and he's like, hey, hey, Baron, um, no problem, they're, de- they're dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then hey, he man, just, don't worry about it, man. Dude, don't worry. <laughs> they, we got them. <laughs> but, but, but did you see their bodies? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, ugh. Suddenly he's like drugged out again. <laughs> no one can survive that. No, but where are their bodies? Yeah. Uh, somewhere else because they're dead. <laughs> they're so dead. They're like dead though. <laughs> to be fair, so the Baron is a is an asshole and kind of an idiot mm-hmm. and, and kind of a coward. But to be fair, people keep not seeing bodies. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, where are the bodies? Like he's yeah. just getting more and more frustrated. <laughs> but But then at the end of the chapter, he goes, of course they're dead. I don't need to see their bodies. Yeah. So he is an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> No, he is an idiot. He's an idiot and a coward. 
I did write down that the Baron's temper is very Darth Vader. Like hmm. his his like kind of when he loses his temper just sounds very Vadery. <laughs> yeah, so the Baron like wants kinds to be killed, but it, he wants it to look like an accident. Yeah. Uh, and he wants Thufir captured and wants him turned to his side. Boy, why would you want Thufir? Yeah, seriously. Like, what a dead weight. He's, he, he's got a good rep. Mm-hmm. He just wants the rep. Yeah. Yeah, well, just the Baron just, like, really thinks Mentats are important. He thinks that Mentats are very valuable. Mm-hmm. Well, because he kind of prides him. He thinks he's a bit of a Mentat himself, I think. And he says later, Mentats admire the ability to calculate without emotion. So he loves that trait. He thinks that he kind of has that trait. He's like, you know, I could be a mentat if I, <laughs> yeah. if, I if I did if I wasn't already a lord or whatever he is, a baron. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. he has a meeting. So then he calls in Raban. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the Baron killed Raban's parents. Oh. What There's makes a- you think that? So he calls him in and the Baron's like, he's a muscle-minded tank brain. <laughs> That's <laughs> my favorite line in that chapter. A tank brain, the Baron thought. Muscle-minded tank brain. <laughs> so he just thinks that this is like a brute, basically. A guy that just comes in, he's like, kill, must kill, order taken, I will kill now. You know, he thinks mm-hmm. he's just um, a killing machine. But throughout the chapter, we keep getting Raban's kind of dance on things let me see i have to find it he didn't even strike me as a muscle-minded tank brain yeah i mean he was he sold him as such a meathead that whenever he asked questions and stuff i was like oh he's not so bad at least physically raban is more like the baron Mm -hmm. than fade so okay here's a quote he said fear showed in the squinting of raban's eyes he knew within certain limits how far the old baron would go against family. Seldom to the point of death unless there were outrageous profit or provocation for it. But family punishments could be painful. So mm. I just got the sense that like, because oh, we don't know where his parents are. It just kind of felt like since the baron doesn't have heirs, he would kill the parents and kind of assume the role of like father figure and then have total control over them. Raban had a lot of anger towards the Baron that I didn't pick up on the first time, but I just felt like, yeah, that's my theory. He definitely wants you to think, like, there's one part where he says, does the Emperor know you suborned a souk doctor about Mm -hmm. Yue? And he says, that's a penetrating question. Have I misjudged this nephew? Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of like, yeah, you misjudged him. You called him a muscle-minded tank brain. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't even exist. (laughs) And then then he asked you a good question. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, "Mm, disregard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the narrator that he uses throughout the book, I really like because it's like a, I don't know the literature term for it technically, but Mm -hmm. he it's not an omniscient narrator because that's a narrator that just knows everything, but he only presents you like this chapter. He's in the Baron's brain, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but he does switch like even within chapters yeah. too. And i like when, when that happens, when the narration's like, okay, I'm in Paul's brain and you mm-hmm. only see Jessica's reaction and you hear Paul like, why is she so slow? And mm-hmm. then, then you hear Jessica and you're like, Oh, I'm freaked out by my son. <laughs> 
Um, I, I like that, but I do like that he did that in this chapter where you don't really know what Robin Robin is thinking. Yeah, I think I think it's called a a close third. Oh, mm. that's how Stephen King writes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like that narration style as well. Yeah, he really doesn't let him have any success in this chapter. He doesn't let his nephew do anything right. His nephew's like, fine, okay. Like, he stops asking questions. He's like, I understand perfectly. And even then he's like, you don't understand anything perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then he yeah. tells him, like, uh, yeah, the they beat some Sadakar. And he's like, that's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, okay, kind of well, they just did, but whatever. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I would say time. that the Baron is a muscle-minded tank brain. For too. sure. He is. Well, maybe not muscle-minded. He's <laughs> definitely sneaky. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's just power-hungry tank brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, they have to just quickly remind you at the end that he's horny for his nephew. Yeah. I know. It's so gross. Yeah. This Baron, he, they really, they're, they're like, body shaming mm-hmm. homophobic yep. mm-hmm. and, and really like pedophilia they're trying to get all these yeah it's not the best him. it's probably yeah. the worst the worst choice in the whole book yes i agree <laughs> i agree yeah um which i've heard that i've already said this i think but that alexander skarsgård is like supposed to kind of um change that a little bit right uh, Let's hope. Do you think pr- Let's hope they change that. <laughs> All right, so we're on chapter six. Five. Five, five. Five, yeah. yeah. Which is like, big one. It's a big long one. one. It's very cool. I love this one. We're like super in the dunes. Yeah, super in the dunes. That starts out, they've been flying for four hours in a storm. <laughs> That's insane. I can't... Muttering to themselves that fear is the mind killer. Over like, there. I could drive four hours in some light rain, but, like, w- <laughs> during a storm, I can barely make, like, more than five minutes before I'm like, I'm pulling over and waiting it out. Like, I yeah. couldn't do four hours of a storm driving, and that's let alone flying. Yeah, yeah. you start screaming. Yeah. You start <laughs> screaming fear is the mind killer. <laughs> crash immediately yeah. yeah and they describe it where from jessica's point of view she's like almost four hours but part of her mind computed the passage and i'm thinking the passage is five minutes because she's mastered her mind but it's part of her mind computed the passage as a lifetime <laughs> yes. like, yeah, yeah. okay so it wasn't easier for yeah. you yeah no it took yeah it felt like it took forever and uh, this is cool because it's like Paul doesn't know what the right, or maybe this happened a little earlier, but he's not, he can't see the path ahead of him still. Um, so he has to rely on his own senses. I think this was a little earlier, but it's a, it's cool. He like has to remind himself that he can't, now that he can see everything, right. that still doesn't, he can't like lean on that or he'll become weak. That's the like, uh, imagine yourself mm-hmm. in a valley and you can't see beyond the rim, all, yeah. that, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like how they describe that. That it it, it really uh, kind of makes it sense makes sense of it and kind of gives rules to his like mm-hmm. abilities. So the crash land after all that still got a crash. <laughs> the nope. wing rips off. <laughs> uh, he loves doing like hardcore thopter scenes. He's <laughs> really good at it. Like I mean, he's like is kind of his wheelhouse is like doing these like 
crash landing, you know, big, big Thopter moments. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited about Thopters in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So then they crash and they immediately have to run away from a worm. The worm, of course, eats a Thopter, which raises the question I, I'll, I'll set to you too. What do you think a sandworm shit looks like? Okay. Because <laughs> it's full of buildings and Thopters. Like, the worm's just, like, eating sand and metal all the time. Well, it must look like... Oh, yeah, go ahead, please. Well, we're probably going to see the same thing, but I think that it looks bright silver. It goes into the center of the planet and becomes the core of the planet. (laughs) Is that what you were going to say? I was just going to say sand. (laughs) Oh! It could be that, too. Thank you for the question, Lance. Um, I'm sorry I asked a gross question, guys. <laughs> what What do you think? Um, I think, well, I don't know. The really big ones, I'm sure it's just like swallowing a seed, like to them. It's like, it doesn't matter. It passes like yeah, everything like else. Whales. But I feel like a smaller one, like it's going to fuck up their insides. It's a big, sharp metal, like scraping up their insides. Oh, the baby worms. <laughs> yeah. Well, they learn from their mom and dad worms that mm-hmm. they can't eat big things yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there are no baby worms. They could just be born big. Yeah, they could all be ancient and ageless. What do you think it's like for them to menstruate? <laughs> oh, gosh. Again, sand. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of sandy. Does he have a side book where he discusses like sort of like a fantastic Mr. Fox type book about yeah. the sandworms and from their point of view? I know I'd love a little science pamphlet or something on worm on like zoology of worms. Cool. Um, so we spend a lot of time in the desert. Yeah. It's very deserty. This chapter is really good at making you feel like the dangers of the desert. And I was listening to it while walking outside and I kept like getting so sweaty, like more sweaty than I normally would. And I just kept like feeling like I was in the desert and I was like trapped. Yeah. You can walk into your house and like get like a sparkling water and yeah. <laughs> sit under the AC. <laughs> My personal dune journey is very much like I- I'm living in Caledon they call Seattle the Emerald City because it's mm-hmm. so green and it rains all the time, obviously. Not all the time, but a lot. And so I'm just like, Austin is Arrakis and I'm so glad I'm not there. It's so sandy and <laughs> dusty <laughs> and hot all the time. Mm-hmm. But this, like, they're like walking out into the desert just. So, yeah. So it's just like, Dangerous things happening. They they have they run into a like a a, a sandslide. Jessica uh-huh. gets buried. Mm-hmm. Paul drops his pack to get Jessica out. The pack gets buried. Mm-hmm. Then they have to go dig out the pack using <laughs> foam. I couldn't. I was like, did not this understand. Is cool, but. I have to just trust you on this one. Yeah, I appreciated the like the MacGyver ingenuity of Paul, uh-huh. like figuring this out. But I was like, I don't understand how this works. What is happening right now? <laughs> they're just pouring foam in the sand, and this foam is eating the sand, and they're crawling into the hole it makes. I have no idea. I just did not understand. I didn't try too hard either. I was definitely like, 
oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> this could be something that they're just, you know, it's only on Arrakis that you can do it, or it could make sense in any world. I'll just keep going. <laughs> it also made it sound like Paul was like making the foam dig a hole and he was making Jessica get into the hole and dig towards the pack. I'm like, go in there yourself, Paul. Like, why are you making Jessica get, she's pregnant. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's, she's pregnant. She's probably so tired all the time. And yeah. at one point he barely manages. How do you feel? <laughs> I know he's like, he can't even say pregnant or like has a baby. Yeah. He's like, feel and she has to get she's like I know you're talking about my pregnancy you awkward teen <laughs> <laughs> your mom and your dad had sex okay Paul and get now there's it. gonna be a baby <laughs> when you think about the plot it, it took a lot of pages to say Jessica got buried Paul dropped his pack he got Jessica mm -hmm. out then he buried Jessica again to get the pack out and then both of them were out yeah. <laughs> the foam also seemed like it could like detect where the pack was no because like, at first they were like we're almost out of foam and we still don't <laughs> see the pack it was um a complicated science experiment you know what maybe this, maybe this is like a 60s thing and we weren't alive in the 60s so we just yeah. will never get it we missed the 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 foam face. yeah the like foam the, it was all the rage yeah i also like where jessica says that to be able to rest is um mercy and mm -hmm. to not like to be denied any rest uh was a mer like you were being under merciless rule it was a very like she's recognizing her own privilege like i feel like a lot of people be like yeah, yeah. we've been dealing with that our whole life mm -hmm. yeah like no fucking shit and she's so privileged i mean that's like jessica's main thing she's uh had it pretty easy yeah like the dinner party was stressful for her <laughs> yeah arrakis just does not suit her at all right Although she did have that realization that she is addicted to the spice. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is, it felt like they skipped over that pretty quickly to me. Oh yeah. I don't even think I registered that. It was like, same here. It, I think it was not in these chapters. It was like when Paul was having his freak out moment and she's mm -hmm. like, we're addicted to the spice. You know it. If you think about it, you've known it the whole time. And it's like, Oh, oh yeah. is Arrakis like, trapping people here that's why they can't leave well yeah because i'm also interested in kinds's relationship to spice since he seems like to dis like so disdain the um mass production of spice but he himself is always consuming it so i'm curious about that so they Go they yeah so they they see what may be like a fremen fremen encampment or something through their binoculars and they kind of talk about like are they going to be nice to us are we going to be uh -huh. okay and that's when we jump to the next the next chapter yep with Staban Tuik son of Esmer I know a Tuik lives <laughs> yeah continuing the the family business of smuggling. <laughs> Yeah. Um, he was pretty hardcore. I didn't really like him too much. I don't even know why. I just kind of was like, eh, I don't really know about you, but. Well, he's also like kind of a, 
a guild stooge. Like he he's like yeah. you know, he he's st- he wants to make money off of spice. He doesn't care about Arrakis or like mm-hmm. the future of the Fremen or anything like that. He's just like there to make money. Yeah, and you probably didn't like him because Gurney, who I don't know about you guys, but I love him. He's great. Mm-hmm. Um he, he's like so pissed and he is okay with recognizing his emotion and acting on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like they killed your dad and you don't want to do anything. And the guy's like, yes, well, well like, come on. You Gotta move on, you know. Yeah, or Every like, time. you know, I guess from what I understand, he says, a stone is heavy and the sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. So I guess he's saying, I'll get mine, but uh-huh. I got to take my time. In the meantime, I'm going to keep smuggling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care for them. I think that I stand with my assessment of his dad when I said he was Benicio Del Toro in Star Wars uh, Rogue One, I think. Whatever, the like free agent who has no morals. And uh-huh. that's kind of how I feel about all smugglers, I guess. That they just live for nothing but the smuggling. Uh, Last Jedi. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you for the voice. <laughs> Truek does say, um, move slowly and the day of your revenge will come. Speed is a device of shaitan. And I feel like that's the first time we've seen the word shaitan. And I was like, it, oh. looks like, it looks like Satan to me. It seems like he's saying, take your Shaitan. time. <laughs> shaitan. Sean Connery. <laughs> Oh, yeah, shaitan is Satan. Speed is a device of shite. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I didn't know. Did, did I miss something, or is that a new mythological? like? Religion? Yeah, I guess they talk about God a little bit, but this is the first time they're mentioning shaitan. <laughs> so so uh, Tuik uh, convinces Gurney, essentially, that that Paul is dead. He might as well just accept that Paul's dead. Mm-hmm. And so Gurney's like, well, then I'm staying here just to get revenge on Raban, who gave him that scar. <gasps> oh, I didn't, I missed yeah. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. He like rubs his scar. <laughs> and he says, he gave me this scar. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He, totally he said, I, I owe him another debt or something. Yeah. And then Gurney... Gurney wanders off. Yeah, they, they, they align with each other. Gurney agrees that his men will help. And then he wanders off and someone comes to Gurney with his, what is it called, Balisette? What is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hands it to him and says that there's a dying soldier that wants to hear a song one last time. Yeah. It's very Aww. sad. Gotta love yeah, her. and he sings about a, a hot woman. <laughs> yeah, the that's, the, that's the song the soldier <laughs> wanted to hear. <laughs> to die to. Yeah. Yeah. Wanted to die with a boner. Yeah. (laughs) It's the treaty's way. The treaty's way. Yeah. So it had 74 men. And then it says Halleck drew a final soft chord from the ballast set, thinking, now we are 73. I think it would be dark, but I think this actually might be a good point for the first movie to end. I feel like. So we were talking last time about, like, well, it'd be weird if it ended just at the end of book one. But I feel like if they got at least to the point where Duncan dies and Paul and Jessica escape in the Thopter, 
maybe mm-hmm. don't maybe don't necessarily follow them into the storm, but if they escape in the thopter and then like and then we see this this you know moment where a soldier dies, that might be like a good way to a good point to end it. Yeah, because at this point we've seen all the main characters and we know where they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. that might feel enough. Like okay, right. well, we're good. Right now, there's a lot of uh, like battles, but they're all separate. So it wouldn't I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it would be cool. I feel like they could make it, because it, even reading it, it felt like I could feel the momentum of all the battles happening. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, here's this fight, here's this fight, everybody's kind of up against, an, like, you know, in Lord of the Rings in the second one, where there are, there's like five uh, simultaneous fights happening, like Isengard and mm-hmm. Elm yeah. and all that. It could be like a bit of that vibe. Like if yeah. they can cross cut them enough. I actually thought of the two towers as well <laughs> because uh when paul and jessica are in the desert it's very much like sam and frodo like they're this uh-huh. pair that's wandering on their own and people aren't really sure of their fate yeah um, totally and they see the the battle like you were saying lance they see the battle in the distance and there's kind of a lot of that so i, I guess i could see the the like sweeping landscape drone cinematography you know where it's like <laughs> there they are and then whoosh like yeah, I of Sauron style over to the battle. And- yeah, and it's also kind of like where they are worried about their friends, but they have to go on by themselves. Like there was a fellowship and now they're all yeah. Yeah. apart. Mm-hmm. Do we have any final thoughts? We've been recording for two hours. Yeah, we got we to gotta wrap this up. <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, a third person is going to be... Yeah, it's going to make it a third as long. And we, we didn't even get to like... Yeah. yeah. We need to get to like the laser gun traps. Yeah, M- much oh, laser yeah. gun happening. Still, I can't process them at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, my final thoughts are just: I feel like the pace picked up a lot in this second book, and I no longer have the like constantly thinking, "What's this thing again?" Now that I'm familiar with the world, so mm. I'm excited to see what happens, and I'm also excited to see sort of the political intrigue. Like, is anyone gonna betray someone that they just formed an alliance with because they end up realizing Jessica's alive or she's not a spy or you know whatever? So mm. I'm. I feel like it's a really good mix of the politics and the um, fighting. So I'm hoping there's maybe a little more variety in the fighting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think the ornithopters are fun, but... <laughs> it's a little heavy on the ornithopter. I'll yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe we'll get some, like, cool hand-to-hand combat. Like, when Paul mm-hmm. just kicked that guy, I was like, hell yeah! And it was just one <laughs> kick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, totally. So, yeah, maybe some more cool fighting and then even more intrigue. Um, maybe that we don't know about. Like, we knew about all the betrayals that were going to happen and we knew the duke was going to die so it'll be cool to see if there's some stuff that that they don't make obvious to us as right Mm -hmm. yeah i i agree i felt like like the first part was a really big overview of everything and now everything's getting more sophisticated and complex and exciting yeah about you yeah, I, I I like this too. It also does feel like they're finally getting to the world that we're we were promised in the first book because the first book's called Dune, and I get that they go to Arrakis and they're mostly on Arrakis during it, but they're like <laughs> sheltered and like they only go out into like the actual like 
desert like once. Mm -hmm. So now we're finally into the world of Dune, as I imagine Dune. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm I'm excited, even though I know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was one other part that happened early on that I thought was so unusual. Uh -huh. um, the part where someone's like, what, what name are they calling him when they refer to him as the Lisan Al Guide? And someone's like, to the Duke, they're like, oh yeah, they think he's this person. It's the typical Messiah story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and story and oh, Duke you know, the typical you Messiah know. story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They think he's the savior of the planet and the Duke's just like, oh, whatevs. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like self-parody. Well, cool. This is so fun. Thank you, Mia, yeah. for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, Mia. It's super fun for me. I love nerding out. I love book clubs in general. And like getting to see you guys and knowing that you're doing this is super fun. So well, I was thanks so glad. for making my day. Yay. Should we sign off? Well, we have to, yeah. we have to, exp we have to tell people what to read next. Are we going to do six chapters? Yeah. Okay. So chapters seven through 12. Yeah. And 12 uh, has a very quick Irulan introduction that just says God created Arrakis to train the faithful. So that's the last chapter to read. Cool. That's a good chapter. Okay. Okay. Uh, and look at it, Molly, look at it when you get a chance and, and make sure I counted it twice, but I hope okay. that's right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so we yeah, Mia, we always like to sign off by saying something. Yeah. I only missed one episode, guys. Okay. So not you know. <laughs> Um, uh, do you have any suggest? Do you have any favorite quotes or anything from this? Um, I mean, since I am one of the Spice Girls on this podcast, should we like say like "People of the world, spice up your life"? Yes. <laughs> Lance is like no. <laughs> okay, my favorite quote. What if I just said "spice up your life"? What if oh, we I just said, what if we just said jubba, 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 <laughs> because that's my favorite word in their language so far. Jubba. Jubba. Jubba cloak. Jubba, 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 do you be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't heard that little ditty in a while. Jubba the hut. I will say, I will say whatever sign off you want me to say as your guest. We can say spice up your life. We can do a Spice Girls thing. I'm yeah. fine with it. I vote spice up your life. I maybe don't want to sing because we do. Uh, you you may have uh, heard it. But <laughs> there's a a, a sync up problem. <laughs> well, I mean the spice, hard time. the spice girls weren't amazing either. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what are we saying? We're saying people of Arrakis, spice up your life. Every fremen, every. That's too many things. <laughs> <laughs> I vote, okay, people of Arrakis, spice up your life. Okay, ready? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you just say people of, of Arrakis, and then we'll all say spice up your life. Okay. 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 People of Arrakis, spice, spice up, up your, your life. life. <laughs> See, that's where we... <laughs> yeah. That's really yep. good. Yep, really good. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mia. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>